0: And one of the things that used to hang in our bullpen, where the sales guys would be, it said, uh, sales are won or lost by a few words, not a few dollars.
1: You're listening to Toolbox for the Trades, brought to you by ServiceTyping a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in.
2: Hey Toolbox, before we get to today's episode, I want to share something really exciting with you. This July, Service Titan is having its annual summer fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For every $500 referral reward you get when you refer another contractor to Service Titan, we'll donate another $500 to St. Jude. Last year we raised $25,000 and this year we hope to raise $30,000. To submit a referral and help us support St. Jude, click the link in our show notes. Now, back to the show. Hello, contractors, and welcome to Toolbox for the Trades, the show where we share the top tricks, tips, and tactics from top service professionals worldwide. Today, I'm chatting with NextStar software coach, Mike Marcel. Mike works with contractors all over the country who need help optimizing their Service Titan account. He teaches them the best tricks of the trade to get the most ROI from their software investment and unlock new revenue opportunities for their business. During today's interview, Mike shared how he found himself in this incredible role and shared some really, really helpful advice. I hope you enjoy our chat as much as I did. Mike Marcel, you are a <laughs> software coach at the Star Network, and you are a Service Titan certified provider. I am so excited to have you on the show. You have helped so many people make the most out of Service Titan. You really know your way around software and really how to look at it and figure out how contractors can make the most out of their software to leverage their uh, technology, to build an incredible business and especially a business that aligns with Nextstar's values and all the things that they find important. I have so many questions for you, Mike. Uh, But before we even get into those, I'm going to kick off this podcast the way I do every single one, which is ask you, how did you get into the trades?
0: Well, thanks. And I really appreciate that. And I I definitely appreciate the opportunity to kind of share my story as well. So getting in the trades, I had been in two other industries previously, one my father had been in, and then the other one my brother had been in, and the one that I was in with my brother started bottoming out in the the mid-2000s, and I found myself as the sole breadwinner for our family of six, so it was a family of eight, family of eight with six children, and uh, my income suddenly had a massive change Uh, It went from doing pretty okay down to about $300 a week before taxes. And I mean, I'm not talking like 1974 money. I'm talking, you know, mid 2000s. So, uh, you know, make matters worse. I had bought a house, uh, you know, in the early part of the 2000s and Found myself upside down in that, and like a lot of people, you know, I was I was looking at these big, enormous debts, and uh, the income wasn't there. Uh, I ended up, you know, embarrassingly enough, filing bankruptcy. But I didn't, you know, at the time, I had to provide, and I didn't know what else to do. And I was walking a mile, walking two miles to back and forth to work every day, and that gave me a lot of time to kind of think. Uh, about what I was going to do to to help our family survive through that Um, and it was some tough times but as you know some of the toughest times teach us the best lessons. Uh, I was lucky enough to catch an ad in the paper that said HVAC sales no experience necessary so I I definitely didn't know anything about HVAC um, but I did know something about sales so that kind of got me curious, and at the same time, I had applied to be a, a CSR at a company called Mass Mutual, which was right around the corner from where we lived, and it was a big corporation, and, uh, you know, it had all the typical things that, that college-bound people would want, right? So I had college. I would actually gone to college three times and uh, had a degree, and I applied there, and I figured, oh, I could get in there and retire and do the big corporate um, the big corporate thing. And my, I remember my wife looking at me and saying, there's no way you're going to be a good corporate soldier. You need, you need the space that allows you the freedom to think and grow. And that's how it happened. And, and, you know, that was, gosh, almost 17 years ago now.
2: Wow! So that HVAC sales job, I imagine, panned out. So how did that? How did how did you even get into there? What was that like?
0: That was awesome. Uh, I had a really great experience. Uh, I ended up with a, a company called uh, Service Experts. That's kind of where I got my got my roots, and uh, I learned everything about the business from uh, the metrics that were that were needed, the reporting. That was required, and uh, I really took a liking to, you know, not only the sales side of things, but also like building price books. I remember that clearly because when I didn't have a call, I, I was pretty much a workaholic, so I was always looking for things to do. And in sales, even though I did decent at sales, I always struggled with report because I had a large family of, of six kids, so I wasn't like your typical dad where. You know i was vacationing all the time or i was hunting or golfing so i didn't have any of those kinds of hobbies um i liked working and uh so i think i overcompensated the report thing by just like building these massive spreadsheets and uh making price books and uh you know that led to me being able to help out other members in our district which ran from Maine, down to Philadelphia, all the way up to Buffalo, New York. Um, and I was going around helping other centers build price books and helping their sales staff um, You know, learn some of the things that I had brought into the industry because I came from a different industry and I had some professional sales training. So that was uh, an amazing opportunity. And from there, uh, I ended up getting promoted in short order and ended up moving to Buffalo, New York with my family as a general manager.
2: Dang. So you took the sales experience from your previous industry that you worked in. You basically started in sales in HVAC, first job within the trades, and you just found yourself really wanting to work and do a good job and applying all these sales skills you knew to the price book, and you were helping other contractors also build out their price book. That's right, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yep. The presentation. You know, the way you presented to it. (laughs) I remember the other industry had said... uh, a uh, guy that we used to follow, uh, his name was Joe Verdi, and one of the things that used to hang in our bullpen, where the sales guys would be, it said, uh, sales are won or lost by a few words, not a few dollars. And that was just a huge thing that always stuck with me, so I was always uh, practicing, if my kids end up listening to this, they will remember all the hours that I spent role playing with them and teaching them how to ask different questions to get different answers out of me, you know, and how to control a conversation and and things of that nature. So, um, some really good memories there.
2: That's awesome. So you relocate to Buffalo, New York. Uh, you're now, Mm -hmm. at this point you're working as a GM, correct?
0: Yeah. General manager, uh, first time GM, uh, super excited. They moved our family. They got the red carpet out moved us to Buffalo, New York. And back then I remember it was just the, it was 2010. And I remember telling my wife because we really wanted to go down South where it was warm. I'm originally from Massachusetts. So when we got the call to be a general manager and they said, Buffalo, New York, you know, my wife kind of looked at me and said, Buffalo, like that's where all the snow is. (laughs) And I was, I remember promising her, I'm like, don't worry about it, we'll do two years, just because that was kind of like the run that people did in that organization. We'll do two years, we'll prove that I can do it, and then we'll get to ask for a transfer anywhere we want. And we ended up staying. Interesting story, uh, you know, I shared, obviously, probably three or four times already that we had a pretty big family and two of our kids were special needs kids. And uh, when we moved to Buffalo, we didn't expect uh, much from the school system, you know, because we, in Massachusetts, we had not gotten, you know, the level of, of services that we thought were adequate for them. And as a matter of fact, my wife started homeschooling uh, some of our children and we had the two of our older ones uh, had special needs and uh, the school system just went way above and beyond. Um, you know I know in our business in this industry we talk about you know knowing what great service is and and how you don't know great service until you treat yourself to it um, well that's gonna it's gonna find sound funny when I say it but that's what the New York school system did for us um, and they they did so to a level where um, you know I just, I just kind of came to the conclusion, not by myself, but with my wife that we'd be idiots to to move because we were giving our kids a, a, kind of like that service call, you know, when, it, when the customer says yes to the repair, you know, you have you have a customer that already said yes, or do you go run another, you know, maybe um, so we weren't going to move because that would have been a maybe on our kids. And we just knew that we had something good and we needed to take advantage of it.
2: That's incredible. And I will just say that it's so rare that you hear, we have children with special needs and the school system was great for us. So I'm so happy that worked out for you. And I know how challenging that can be when you're working full time and trying to make those accommodations. So talk to me a bit about how you went from GM, the first time GM to now software coach at NextStar. How did that go?
0: Well, that's a, you know, pretty good story. I think after being in the industry for you know about twelve to fifteen years with different levels of success, you know, both as a, a comfort advisor, general manager, uh, as well as an HVAC service manager, um, which ties into how I got into NextStar, which happened a little bit later on after the service expert story. Um, uh, two things, two things that happened in my career that were pivotal, pivotal, pivotal in what was, uh, I think, changed the entire way I worked. So the first thing was NextStar. Um, I had came across a company in Connecticut that had been recruiting me to come work with them, and they knew that I was originally from Massachusetts, so they're like, "Come back, come move back home, come move back home." And uh, I went and visited this company. Uh, for three days, and uh, I'll give them a shout out, the team over at iYellow. I love you guys. Um, I went out there for three days, and I can just remember being completely floored, because I had learned everything about reporting, metrics, the numbers that we needed to hit, and all the all the processes that that we thought were important. But the thing that I didn't learn, even as a GM, was culture and intention and purpose. Um, and what I discovered was is that on this three-day visit uh, with my friends over there uh, is that they were Nextstar members and that Nextstar was this member-owned organization that provided coaching, coaching and training uh, for best practices. And a lot of that also included some uh, not only business lessons, but kind of like culture lessons is, is what I'm going to say. I don't think that's written anywhere, but I've noticed that NextStar members tend to have just a different different set of amazing cultures. And um, so that was the first thing that happened to me. And I brought that back with me to Buffalo. I didn't end up taking that job that time. Um, and we brought it back to, to Buffalo and I had a great uh, owner who really wanted to take a chance on Nextstar, um, Brian Ritter. And, uh, you know, we went forward and we tried applying NextStar to what we were doing in the business. So that was the first thing. The second thing was this Service Titan came along. So we had this software, I, I won't even name it because it's just not even a good software. And um, it just really left a lot to be desired. And I remember I was curious to get new software, and of course, there was a a software around that was pretty popular with contractors back then that I think has been uh, greatly diminished since Service came on the scene, but I remember actually having uh, conversations with Ara, that's how far back this goes, like 2014, because Ara was making sales calls. Um, and I remember having,
2: I just want to interrupt for anyone who may not know, but Ara is our founder and CEO, one of our co-founders and our CEO. So this is, this is early, early, early days of Service Titan. Sorry to interrupt. Continue, Mike.
0: Yeah, no worries. It, it really is. Uh, yeah, it was, it was had to be about 2014 ish, 2000. If it was 2015, I'd be surprised. Right. But I can remember having conversations and, and really, uh, pushing the envelope with, uh with our uh, and the subsequent salespeople that i talked to with service titan and challenging them like well yeah but can your software do this and then they were um true to their word they were always like we can't do it right now but we will find a way to figure it out um you know and back then uh it didn't mean as much to me then as it does now you know now i'm several years removed from it and can see all the hard work that's that's brought in so to make a short story long because i've already babbled enough, um i had been a general manager and then uh i had gone to a a smaller residential shop that was inside a larger mechanical shop where they'd been struggling to turn a profit and they had all the right ingredients but the recipe wasn't coming out the way they wanted so they brought me on board to to fix the recipe and then during this time COVID had hit in new york and we had one tech working and i literally had to lay myself off to to protect the business because i wasn't gonna draw a salary when we had one tech working and, and just not enough revenue coming in um, and during this time i had some connections through next star and through facebook who had asked for some help with Service Titan. And because I had, you know, really a passion for working in Service Titan, I had helped them out on a couple of things. And I had time on my hands. What I didn't expect is that this really ignited uh, something inside me that I just couldn't ignore. It was a level of rewarding work that I hadn't ever realized before. So I, I was called back to to work and things became increasingly difficult for me not just because i had this great kind of side project that i was really passionate about but on my third day back uh my wife and i had discovered that our oldest son had taken his life and we were understandably devastated um Heatwave and a few of my previous NextStar employers and Service Titan had really stepped up and, you know, did the best that they could to help us out during this time. And, you know, eventually I, I went back to work, but things were just never the same for me. My son was 21 and it was a serious wake-up call that life is just too short to ignore what's important. And, you know, I felt I... I actually felt bad about myself every day going to work knowing that I wasn't all in. Uh, and if I'm being honest with myself, that's that's what was going on. Um, I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I remember I had reached out to uh, Stephen Bush over at NextStar, who's our uh, talent recruiting coach. Um, and I had bounced the idea of being a software coach off of him as well as had conversations with Kathy Nielsen, who you know very well, who's been on the show, um, and is very beloved by service tech users out there. Um, and at the time I, neither were really ready for me at that time. Um, so I decided to go out on my own and start just doing it. Um, so with the help of, uh, you know, two gentlemen, Brian Ritter and uh, Tom Howard, which also, Brian Ritter's a Nextstar member. um, So some people know him, especially if you're in the Buffalo area. Um, And Tom Howard, if you're, you know, in any type of Facebook group, everybody knows Tom. Um, And Tom was really kind of pivotal in getting me uh, two opportunities in California of service type users that gave me a lot of exposure to service Titan executives and other people that were using it. And that just turned into a lot more referrals. Almost a, a full year later, I was cruising along and feeling pretty fulfilled. And I received a call from Chris Hunter, who, I, gosh, this is going to sound like I'm just name dropping <laughs> people, but this is all part of the story, right? This is how it happens. Um, so Chris Hunter had called me. And said he'd been talking with Julian Scadden and, and from NextStar, who I knew from being a NextStar member, and uh, he was looking for a referral for a NextStar software coach. And Chris was asking me if it was okay if I gave him my gave Julian my name. And I just all I can say is that for me it was like getting a call from the Boston Red Sox to play major league ball. And uh, The rest is history. Sorry, Yankees fans, but I'm a Massachusetts, Boston guy, so it is what it is.
2: (laughs) It's all good. I'm from Queens, so I'm a Mets fan. So any hate on the Yankees, I will take on. Like, I'm fine with that. (laughs) I just want to touch upon a few things. You know, one, I want to just thank you for being so vulnerable about that really intense tragedy that happened in your family life and how that impacted you personally. Uh, It means a lot to me that you shared that with me and with the audience. So thank you very much. Second, I I really just want to showcase how you've been with Service Titan since the beginning. I mean, 2014, that was that was eight years ago, Mike, that was eight years ago. And now we've come to such a great to such great lengths here at service Titan Aura certainly does not make sales calls anymore. I don't think unless he moonlight's doing them. So it really goes to show how you've been with the software for, for such a long time. And I'm just so happy that you found a lot of pride in the work you were doing to make service Titan work for other people. So again, I, if I didn't say it already, I'm thrilled to talk to you today. And I'm just so happy that you found yourself now in a position where you feel really fulfilled and really happy. And I think you definitely deserve that. So with that all being said, and that wonderful background, I want to go into and unlock some of the knowledge in your brain. Service Titan is a beast of an operating system. Anyone who's listening who's on it can tell you that. Anyone who's even looked at it can tell you that. I would like to know you as an outside consultant who go into NextStar members' Service Titan accounts and you're in charge of making sure they're optimizing it. What are some of the first things you look at to see what has to be refined and what has to be worked on?
0: great question so as a, a NextStar software coach my vision for this role is to really take the the business coaching and the training that we provide and really help service titan uh, really leverage service titan to kind of supercharge what they're getting for their membership through the coaching and training so first and foremost i'm looking at business units i'm looking at job types i'm looking at tags and i'm looking at measure memberships so this gives me a solid grasp of what to expect reporting wise so i can help them focus on the next star kpis that their business coaches implementation coaches marketing coaches accounting coaches you know all the coaches that they're going to work with that next star uh you know provides them as members i'm going to look in and try and predict what the data outcome is going to be so that we can start working and molding that into what we need it to be.
2: And that's just kind of like the core functionality of our software making sure that those things are all set up right and properly accounted for. So you're actually getting numbers that you can use to make change in the business. Am I I right in that? Absolutely. Well, I know that involves a ton of systems and processes, uh, which we talk about a lot in this show. So what, in your opinion is the best way for someone to embed their everyday processes into a tool like Service Titan?
0: Well, I think the most important thing to remember is is that Service Titan is a tool, right? And and how we the people and processes are going to dictate how that tool gets used or not gets used. So I hope this doesn't come off too long-winded, but back in, in 2016, when I had first used ServiceTitan in our business, I had realized something. And that was that the more that you used it directly, it seemed like the, it, the software was responding and, and it made the software even better. It was almost like it was – I remember telling our staff, like, look, this is not historical database software. This is live software. Right. So you have to use it as the first tool that you look for instead of whatever else it was that you used to use before. And I'm specifically speaking to like pen and paper. Right. And so I, I'm not dogging pen and paper. Right. It's very good to get out handwriting when you're journaling and, and commit those things, you know, because there is a connection between handwriting things in the brain um however what i was finding is is that staff that would go to pen and paper first while using service titan for their process didn't tend to leverage the system as well as people that just went right to the system so um this kind of led to to quite a uh, a number of different kind of funny things that happened in our business and one was the mantra that that really kind of upped our usage and that was if it's not in service Titan, it did not happen. Right. So, and that was not, I can't take credit for it. One of the sales guys came up with it, but I grabbed it and stole it. Right. Just like, just like we should. And, uh, and we just made that a mantra that if it's not in service Titan, it didn't happen. So don't tell me that you had a conversation with Mrs. Jones, because if it's not in service Titan, that conversation didn't happen. You know, don't tell me so-and-so called back and that, you have a note because if it's not in the service Titan, it didn't happen. And it was just kind of weird. It was like, it was almost like it had AI and it was like learning as we were doing. And we just kind of figured out early on that, you know, if you, if you have to pause for a second, then you probably should be just going right to service Titan and putting it in there. And uh, it, it's true transparency when you commit to using it first uh, before grabbing your notepad and I hope that makes sense to listeners
2: I think it will and I'm going to provide a bit of a an add-on to what you just that beautiful answer you just said which is regardless if someone's using service Titan right or if they're using another software or some other tool to run their business, It's so easy, I think, especially when dealing with Service Titan, which, again, is a beast of a system, to rely on tired and true methods methods that have served us in the past. Okay, we got this shiny new tool, but I still really want to make sure I just jot everything down. It's just for me. And what I hear all the time from coaches, especially like Kathy Nielsen, it's like, no just use the tool. You have to really push yourself to get out of that comfort zone and to use it. And just like you said, the more you use it, the smarter it's going to be, the more data you're going to have, the more insights you're going to have. So as a coach, who works specifically in this, what are some things that you share with your clients to make sure they kind of get out of that zone? Say like they recently got service Titan and they're still using pen and paper, they're still referencing an old system. Like what do you say to them to encourage them to just take the leap and just go with service Titan all the way?
0: Well, it's funny you bring that up. Um, I'm currently uh, in a hotel room and uh, about to do an onsite with TR Miller so looking forward to that even though i'm not sure when they'll hear this they'll always remember that i was in chicago when we recorded this so uh just a shameless plug for tr miller um but last week i was at McAllister in new jersey and they were doing uh it was doing an onboarding for Surstein. so first time coming live and i got a room full of of people that have been on the same software for gosh over 10 years Right? So you want to talk about having embedded habits and, and ways of doing things. And really, the, the trick is just it's a mindset. And the mindset was, uh, I remember a room full of installers and we're meeting because they'd never used an iPad before. And it was just kind of driving home through asking questions about their journey. Right. So in the first part of this podcast, we asked about my journey from getting into HVAC, going to a general manager and then ultimately realizing my passion. Well, when I asked them about their journey, you know, the only thing that was consistent in that and this was the point that I wanted to drive home to them was is the only thing that's been consistent has been change. Yet it's the one thing that we're all afraid of right? So every people like to stay in their comfort zone because they don't want change. But if they took a minute to pause and think about where they're at now compared to where they were at, you know, in some cases, five years ago, 10 years ago, and in other cases, five minutes ago, the only thing that they can count on is change. You know, so um, just really helping them pack that in in spending the right amount of time of, Helping them get to that conclusion um, is really helpful to say, hey, the world changes all the time. I mean, look at we're it's 2022 and we've just gone through a two year pandemic. Change is the only thing that you can do. So, you know, um, there's an old saying because I don't get it wrong. I'm not that old. I might look old, but I'm not that old. But the old saying goes evolve or die. Right. So. Yeah, you know, and that's what I try and do, but I try and meet people down where they're at. So when I go into the onsite with TR Miller, what they're gonna learn is, is, you know, I wanna sit with the CSRs, I wanna sit with the dispatchers, I wanna sit with the install coordinators, I wanna see the technicians, and I really wanna understand what their process is so that I can put it in a context to them that makes sense, right? Because if I just go in there with a, a canned speech, of uh, hey this is how you use service that and, and that's it right i and i use something called you know I, I talk a lot about the four daily habits um but if i just go in there and say here's the four daily habits and this is how you have to do it see you later then i would have a very low success rate and i would not get anybody that would believe in it and follow it so i have to kind of understand their point of view what their process is and then Walk them through that door with them, so that they can understand what the bigger picture is, right, for them. Because I think sometimes people just need to understand the why, instead of just being told, "Hey, A, B, C, D. Uh, don't ask questions; just get it done." Right? We've got to we've got to help them. We have to understand where they're at, and we have to help them understand the
2: why. I 100% agree with you. And that was a perfect intro into my next question because I want to know about your daily four habits. I want to know the ABCD of daily four habits, but I think it's always helpful to share this stuff in a, in a, I agree with everything you just said is I, I think it's good to share like the daily four habits in an umbrella term. But when you're working with clients one-on-one, point of view, perspective, share the why. these are all things that have come up on this podcast so many times and it's really what you need to get into if you're going to foster change. So that being said, tell me what the daily four habits are and why you encourage your clients to adopt them.
0: Great question. So something I've noticed over the years was the way that that how we tend to be reactive instead of proactive and how sometimes we end up with I like to call them piles of papers. Um, over and some people still have the literal piles of papers on their desk of things that they're going to get done when they have time, right? And yet rarely, no matter how many members I speak to and uh, how many people I meet, I, I don't meet people that have time to twiddle their thumbs. So that's not happening. Um, and there's just a little part of me that has OCD tendencies. And I believe that a clear mind just gets more done efficiently. So I coach that there's four areas in Service Titan that things like to pile up um, and become unmanageable pretty quickly and reduce the usability of these areas to get clear information on what's going on in the business. So when done daily, it's small manageable piles that can provide clarity for everybody in the business and I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, Service Titan is the perfect tool. It it provides that transparency. However, when they're not done daily, it becomes overwhelming. And then it takes away from the overall experience. And I promise I'll get into what they actually are. Um, But I just want to make a note that I'll tell you the first one. The first one's the job tray. Okay. Now, a lot of listeners are going to be going, what is the job tray? Um, but I will tell you that if you're in, in dispatch or CSR management, it's, it's probably the place that you've nicknamed the abyss or the black hole or the Bermuda Triangle because it's that place underneath the dispatch board. It's 11 tabs that actually can be a tool to help you manage the business and get some clarity on the activity that's happening right now or isn't happening right now in your business so um so job training is the the first daily habit and the reason why that's important is because we spend a lot of money marketing to people and i know that's i think that's one of your passions if i'm not mistaken is marketing and um you know so the average cost to make the phone ring and we have all these opportunities and It just kills me to go down in that job tray and see unassigned jobs or scheduled jobs that are 30 days old, you know? And it only goes back 30 days, but usually what I'll tell a member is, you know, if I see something with a date 30 days old, you've got a much bigger problem. And then we go into the search menu and look and see what they have. And I know, you know, one member last week, they had 600 scheduled jobs in the past right so this is this is exactly right i'm looking at your face and saying that's that's how i feel times 10 is like what what are we doing and they don't know that they can use that and that there's a method to managing that um so the job trade is the first one next one is the the purchase orders um so i know a lot of people are going to have they're going to be a mix between the old purchase order system or legacy purchase order system. And then they've got the purchasing and replenishment module, which if you look on your, if you're listening to this and you look at the top of the black menu bar at the top of your service site, it's either going to say purchasing or it's going to say inventory. Um, And regardless of whether it says purchasing or inventory, um, you know, the purchase order screen can be a good indicator of, you know, how our accounts payable are doing and how our, how our receiving is doing because it can be a tool, literally, that when the truck backs up to the warehouse, you know, you can go to the receiving list and, and have real clarity on exactly what we should be expecting. And again, just another place where I find one of these digital piles of things backed up. Um, so, you know, I try and be a little bit humorous, um, although they probably come off like corny dad jokes. Um, but when I go into pending on the purchase order screen, I usually have to say something like, oh, so you're thinking about ordering something, but you haven't actually ordered it yet, right? Let me get that right. We've got 1,322 POs in here that, you know, we might order if we think about it, you know? So it, it's just kind of helping them them do that. So, you know, some of the first screen, the job tray is, is kind of accounts receivable. Right. In a way, because if we're uh, there have been a couple of times and I think one of the members that's probably going to listen to this, who is not an XR member, but it was when I was doing it on my own. I think we found eight thousand dollars of unbilled work that was like older than six months old because somebody clicked reschedule and it sat in the job tray and nobody noticed and it got it was unbilled work. You know, so imagine trying to call up a customer six months later and saying, oh, hey, by the way, you owe me X. Now, it wasn't one $8,000 job, but it was a culmination. Then the, the purchase orders is about, about your accounts payable, right? Because if our accounts receivable get into our financials um, and we think we're, we're killing it, rock stars in our because our accounts payable isn't in there and our cost of goods sold is too low. So, you know, purchase orders uh, become critical and your account's payable. And what ties those two things together leads to daily habit number, number three, which is going to be the accounting screen, you know, and how is that doing? Are we getting that over daily? And, you know, that's critical because we need to have a good, clear financial picture. It could make the difference between me investing in a new truck or not investing in a new truck. If I don't have a clear financial picture using the various uh, financial statements that NextStar will teach their members to use, then I might be making decisions on bad information. So, those are the those are the first three daily habits, and those are kind of more your um, traditional cash flow functions right: accounts receivable, accounts payable, and exporting. The fourth one's kind of more of my passion. Um, I I love lots of different parts of service thing, but of course I always go back to my first experience in HVAC. I was a comfort advisor, right? So sales. So the follow-up tab, I can tell you right now that no matter how many, there's, it's pretty rare that I come across a company that has a good process working in the follow-up tab. And yet, I will argue that you could hire a full-time person today, not like in the next six months. Like, you could hire a person today, and we could coach you a a simple process, book a schedule, a coaching call with me, and we'll make a simple process um, that not only will that person pay for itself, but you'll close 10% more deals. Um, And the follow-up tab's great, and it's so – people know it's there, right? They click in it, and they click around, but they don't have a process, right? They know they can click in it, and they know they can get a list of people to call. Um, So I add a little bit of a process to that because I want them to act with intent. I want them to have purpose. I want them to know – that unsold estimates, sold estimates, um, even your recurring service events, your expiring memberships, they all have kind of the same functionality and I apply those same actions to all of those tabs. Um, And we walk through that. And if you have leads turned on, that's another great configuration that can just really make sure, I mean, it's our opportunity. It goes back to the marketing thing. It costs X amount. I don't know what it used to be. The numbers used to be, it costs us between three dollars and $500 to get the phone to ring, right? And then if you walk away with just a dispatch fee or you walk away with nothing, the stats are out there, and these are not HVAC stats. Just to clarify, these are just general sales statistics that have been tried and true for like over 200 years that you will close 10% more deals just by following up. You don't have to hire. You should hire somebody good, right? But I'm saying just by following up, you can close 10% more deals. So when you go to your follow up tab, I want you to go back to January 1st. It's April 1st as of this recording. No, it's April 4th. April 4th as of this recording, I want you to go from January 1st to April 1st and then look in the bottom right hand corner and then say I could take 10% of that and add that to my business just by hiring one person.
2: I'm going to endorse that because when Chris Hunter first joined Service Titan, I did a webinar with him about how to uh, discover an extra $1 million in revenue, and it was all just by using the follow-up tab, and this was when he was still running Hunter Supertext before they sold to Turnpoint Services. And he hired someone, and that person just worked the follow-up tab, and it generated a million dollars in revenue in one year. So I have Absolutely. heard the exact same thing. So just to recap, we've got the job tray, which is um, which is you know your call volume. We've got purchase orders, which is your payables. We've got the accounting, making sure that everything's kind of working together. Every, like we know where our business is at financially. And in the follow-up tab, we're actively working on all of these leads that we have. Because also when you think about it, when you even like zoom out, what is what are people doing for service, right? They're calling for quotes. They're calling for estimates. And so many people have come on the show and they've said, you know, if you just go an extra mile and follow up with that person. So like, did you figure out what you want to do? chances are they're probably going to go with you unless if they haven't already made a decision because you're making the effort to reach back out.
0: <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah, I and mean it's that's one of the reasons why that's, I like all the habits, um, but that one's kind of near and dear to my heart because it's growth, right? It's growth for your business. And I mean, we see it in the groups, in the podcasts, you know, everybody's looking for the the magic bullet for growth. And I'm going to say, surprise, there is no magic bullet. You just have to take the opportunities that you have and make sure that you farm. them.
2: Amazing. So we're you've already given so much information, so I hope you don't mind if I rapid fire through some of these questions uh, that I still want to ask you. But after you leave a company now, after you leave a star client and you give them all the tools they need, what do you recommend they do to keep up with that success or make sure they stick to your recommendations?
0: You know, the first thing that pops into my head is that the most successful members make the commitment to hire or promote somebody to be a Service Titan champion. And, you know, unlike the, the historical database softwares that you used to use, you really need somebody that embraces the software because it is a, a living software. I've, I have made mention of that earlier. It's always changing, and Service Titan... Uh, has always made good on its promises to listen to its customers and keep updating it and keep improving. And you need somebody in your business to champion that and uh, to work with others, whether it's via Nextstar's member-to-member or some sort of Facebook group, um, to make sure that you are leveraging the the knowledge and the power that you have. I mean, part of the next part of the ma- magic of the Next Star Network is networking, right? So I know that if you have a Service Titan champion, um, they are also going to want to network um, and find out from others how they're using it. And good news is, is if you're a ne- Next Star member, your membership includes me, um, and you get those coaching calls, um, and they can be ongoing as long as they they need to be. So. Um, I have many members that I've been working with for almost a year now, and I meet with them, you know, every other week.
2: And just to clarify, you know, we mentioned that you were a service Titan certified provider at the beginning of this call. What is that? So, uh, a wonderful person on our team, Danielle Combs, who's I think employee number three or something, she crafted this insanely hard test, which basically proves your service Titan knowledge. And you were one of, as of right now, only a handful of people that have passed, and it is a heart test. Uh, and this is basically someone who we say this person knows the software in and out, and they are a trusted third party advisor to that can help you with your instance. And we I know we we send you like, hey, you gotta upgrade, you gotta learn about this feature. So we're really excited to part with you, Mike, and um, I'm really happy that you're touching the lives of so many Nexar members and also Service Titan customers. That being said, I know it's gonna be hard to choose, but do you have well, tell me one of your most memorable experiences with one of your clients.
0: Yeah, that really is a tough one, and and this one's definitely going to be um, a little more personal um, because they're all memorable for different reasons, and the relationships that get built um, when you go to to a member shop um, and work with them—they're just you know they're they're valuable. You learn from them, and they learn from you, and it's kind of a mutual thing. Um, I'd have to go with WeCare in in Marietta, California, and I remember Tom Howard uh, referring me there and telling me it was a really important onboarding for service time, so don't mess it up. Um, <laughs> and I remember feeling very humbled, uh, excited, and nervous all at the same time. You know, Rusty has an impressive operation there, and over a hundred employees, and I was pretty lucky uh to have melissa seiler who's the controller there and will fleming who i'm sure you know is you know i kind of call him the service titan superman what's up will and um i had them to work alongside with and make it a success and you know it led to a lot of referrals and it helped put me on the map in this field um but most of all that's the team at we care Really created a, a bond with me, and I'll never forget. In the middle of putting in some extra duty um, overtime with them, that the thing that I'll remember most about them is that Rachel Davis, who was the who is the CSR manager over there, had uh, presented me with a memorial candle in a, a beautiful glass etched with my son's name in his honor, and I was, uh, you know, completely blown away. It was unexpected. And I I think it just spoke to the depth of impact that we had on each other there. And, you know, I was, um, notably in tears, (laughs) you know, I lived next to Niagara Falls and it was Niagara Falls in San Diego. So, um, yeah, so that one, that one definitely holds a a near and dear soft spot, soft spot in my heart for sure
2: thank you for sharing um all right i got two more questions for you if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice at the beginning of your career what would it be
0: that's easy i would tell my younger self to have more faith in myself and and take bigger chances i don't think i bet on myself often and early enough i was confident you know I, i knew that i could figure things out and get things done i don't think there was a question on that i just think that um you know, I probably hesitated on taking more chances and I would, I would probably tell myself that there's no such thing as the right time. There's only now and tomorrow shouldn't be taken for granted.
2: I love that. All right, my favorite question of this season. If you had to choose a song to be the soundtrack of your life, what would it be?
0: Uh, I would have to say I Do by Paul Brandt, um, which Hopefully somebody out there knows what I'm talking about that song. If not, look it up. Um, But it commemorates the most single important event in my my life and my why. Um, So you guys have heard a lot about, you know, how I got through all these things and, you know, different aspects of my career. But the most important thing in my why and my life is Jenny Marcel, which is the most amazing wife and my rock Um, and my successes is our success Um, like we always like to say to each other love is love
2: well that's an incredibly touching way to end this very heartfelt warm vulnerable and also information-packed podcast i don't know how you managed to do that mike but you uh managed to do that thank you so much for coming on toolbox for the trades i really loved chatting with you
0: awesome thank you for having me and i appreciate it and uh, i appreciate all that that service titan does to help next star members
2: Thank you so much for listening to Toolbox for the Trades. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I would love it if you left a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps the show grow and get discovered by more listeners like you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode.
1: Are you looking to build a top-tier service company? Service Titan's Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service, establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. Just go to servicetitan.com slash getplaybook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash getplaybook.